Hey moms, just wondering if you've ever found yourself with nothing planned for dinner and a pit in your stomach that you're about to order pizza for the seventh time in two weeks. I've I've never done that. I'm just wondering if if you've ever done that. Um, Well, what if you could have something like, I don't know, handmade pasta, sauce, meatballs ready to heat and serve in like four minutes? Then you should check out Mr. Aaron's Goods. Sometimes they have incredible locks, bagels that are handmade from scratch. It's family owned and operated. The whole thing could not be cuter. And for a limited time, MomCult listeners get 20% off their entire purchase. Just use code MomCult to check out on MrAaronsGoods.com. That's M-R-A-A-R-O-N-S-G-O-O-D-S.com. They offer pickup Monday through Friday at TKO in East Nashville. Free delivery in East Nashville on Saturdays. Just use code MOMCULT on MrAaronsGoods.com and get the goods delivered right to your door. Oh, you don't have to be peppy. <laughs> no, it's too early for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely this not going to be peppy. This is our morning edition. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. guys. Yeah. This is maybe the first time we've ever recorded in the morning. You're actually going to have to get your coffee to listen to this. <laughs> I didn't have enough sleep. And I can. I, it's a real roller coaster when I don't sleep enough. Right. It's like in the last 30 seconds, I felt like a pit in my stomach about to cry and then like uh, uncontrollable laughter coming up. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's really, it's kind of, it's fun, but it's like a little much. It's yeah. exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. I, all I could think about for a check-in was. Should we be recording this or are we? I are? think we are. Oh. Is that like, it's, it's, it's 930 in the morning. I don't, I can't even think about what my check-in would be because I'm just tired. And I just want the, you know, I want, I think the people need to know the sacrifices that we're putting in to get these episodes out because they need them. Well, know that. Have you ever talked about what your schedule is like because of Jeremy's schedule and what y'all's yeah, like, that life is, is like? Because your husband's a DJ and he yeah. works, he's nocturnal, works yeah, at night. I don't think so. But yeah, since we got married and since he started throwing parties, life was going to bed at four, sometimes five, and waking up. I mean, me waking up just to go to work. But I... You know, I had enough sleep, I guess, to function on. And I just assumed that after having kids that that would naturally change Trend. and it just did not. So I still, if I'm trying to be good and get rest, I'll try to be in bed at one at the latest. But like I said last night, I just lay there with my eyes closed and just fully awake. And I'll listen to a French podcast or something. Sometimes that'll help me fall asleep. But last night... And just nothing, nothing was working. So that's it. I had a really similar schedule because my husband and I both work from Eric. I keep saying that. My husband, well, I don't know why I say it like that. Doesn't bother me. Eric um, is, um, I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> Eric records the episode music. And, where they were all so tired. Uh <laughs> We both, you know, work for ourselves and have, we're both just night owls. So anyway, after Parker was born at some, I don't remember exactly at what point, but it just felt like I was going to like fully lose your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And it was also because my job became a totally different thing when I got like a consistent. Anyway, it's interesting, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, most of the time, especially on the weekends, when the kids are in bed and Jeremy's at work and I have the house to myself. Like post 10 o'clock is when I feel the most motivated to get things done. And I hate feeling like I am doing it the wrong way. 
Like there's a, I, oh, I should be getting up in the, like when I'm, I've never been a person that accomplishes much in the morning and I've always carried around some sort of shame about that. Mm-hmm. Like there's a whole other day out there that I'm just not a part of. Yeah. Or being productive. Well, you married the right guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Really get to wallow in it together. Yeah. <laughs> Ginny, what are the what are the media drama rules on putting an iPad in front of your baby's crib <laughs> so, so you, you can, can record, record a podcast, podcast about being a <laughs> about. mom? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's funny, you know, how much you're like, watch this. Like, I'm not gonna be okay if you don't watch this. They're they're on to us, y'all. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Um, speaking of media trauma, the, I did it. It has been soothing to me several times. I've not brought my phone into a yoga class because of what you said. I was always bringing it in and looking at it, and I thought, okay, well, like, I th- well, I don't know if I start to think about that. Then I'll get anxiety that I'm I should be bringing it in. But anyway, why should you bring it into your yoga class? Just in case. But I mean, like, how know, would your know, yoga class feel about if your phone went off? Some people bring it in just. But so important. I'm so important. <laughs> <laughs> and the people in the yoga class know and respect that. <laughs> One time a teacher, a teacher did make me bring it and take it out. And she's the worst. <laughs> I've decided that I don't think I want to read your book. <laughs> it's going to ruin it really, my life. It really is. I think I'm going to wait until they're older. Right. God, like, I wish oh, I knew I this this stuff when they in, were yeah. younger. Back in the day, this would have been really oh well. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, it's a it's so it's not going to be easy. Nothing's going to be easy about it um, because the reality is, and I say this in the book. So here's your little great hack: kids don't need technology at all. Mm-hmm. They don't need it, not for any part of their development. We have, especially over the last two years, created a world in which parents need their kids to have technology mm-hmm. in order to make cook life happen. Dinner. Truly. <laughs> not just cook dinner. To, usually it's about work. Mm-hmm. And so the reality is that how bad will the harms have to be for a society to change the way that it approaches? And it it's it's going to have to be a massive change. Right. And um, But I bother with it because I think, well, we're a people who at one point in time had an entire economic system built on slavery, and we decided that it was worth losing that economic system for the humanity of life. And we're like totally going to be back in that place again. (laughs) I just feel really compelled to read it. (laughs) that slavery thing and it just hit my heart it's like okay yeah i mean mean, okay i won't i won't go all the way there today but it's too early too early you can um all right jen what we're talking about jesse now yeah jesse oh my gosh so so i mean you've known jesse for a long time yeah so special similar to how i felt with sarah and kathy like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh i've known her for so long and just thinking about who she was when i met her and how young you guys were and then being in her your wedding with her that was sort of my that was my bonding time with her oh nice she wasn't in your wedding but she must have been a part of like all of 
she helped. She Different definitely stuff like that we did. had a, like the day of. I know she was helping with stuff. That's when I felt really mm-hmm. got to know her the best. So gosh, there's so much to say. Where do we start? Where to begin? Right. What was interesting starting at the beginning and realizing it doesn't really matter what kind of trauma has happened in your life. When you are a mom and your kids are still living under your roof, even if they're not, you you could talk for hours and hours about what you're going through and how you're and never touch on the big trauma. Right. Like it's just because you're just in survival right, mode. Right. Yeah. You are trying to figure out hurt feelings that day or an eating issue or, you know. So that was really interesting to me. And I deeply admire her for a lot of reasons, but it was really neat to hear her talk about how she didn't want to be a victim of Mm -hmm. losing her husband. Mm -hmm. And that is really a refreshing perspective coming from the therapeutic lens and space where trauma you know, is, it's truly a part of our life. We're probably the first generation ever to think, oh, I have trauma. Well, that's, that's the human experience. Mm -hmm. Like we're alive because we've survived trauma and it certainly doesn't define you. It's not the thing that says who you're going to be the rest of your life, unless you want it to be. And that doesn't mean it's not going to change you or you won't forever be altered by, which that's, that's what happens to us. That's kind of the evolution of a human. So it was really neat to hear someone, I don't know, just sort of the life and empowerment and perspective that she's coming from of so honestly, there's nothing, nothing not painful or um, significant. Anyone would understand, you know, her being buried underneath it for Mm -hmm. as long as she needed to be. But it felt like this really sweet place of like she has grief, she has pain, it's ongoing. It's going to have many different layers over the course of her lifetime and her girl's time. And yet at the same time, watching her like look for life and see how she's growing and what what life has for her. So I was just really, really glad somebody gave a voice to that. Mm-hmm. I love that too. Yeah, I mean, I think I would deal with it exactly the same way. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Um, well, this is not about Jesse, but I. whenever you say everybody has trauma and it doesn't have to define you unless you want it to, which I wholeheartedly agree with, but for anyone who hasn't explored that, I always, I, I don't know, maybe it's caretaking, think about people who don't have the ability or whatever to figure out how to deal with their trauma and to move through it. And what would somebody who wants to deal with trauma it's a real just vague question. <laughs> Deal with some trauma. Is there like something they would search, something they would say? Is that too big a question? I think that every trauma, and this came up a lot in Jesse's interview, it does something to you that both feels like it breaks you and that it breaks something open in you. And those things all happen at the same time. It's, it's not ever just, it's, it's why grief is kind of so precious. You know, when you think about being with someone, well, you can probably say this about your brother, so you can tell whatever you want to say about it. But when you are actually in the, the grief of a real trauma and a real loss, you can't say it was all bad. 
there's always these like precious things that come up that you're like, well, it wasn't or even who I became or what I learned about myself or what happened in society because of it. It, it had life is so powerful. It wants to keep being, it wants to keep happening and whatever things come against it to stop it. It's like, it won't work. We went and did shot this music video in an abandoned outdoor amphitheater and it was, it holds 1500 people and it's like cement steps that have all these 1500 black bucket seats like Mm. on the ground. Well, I don't know how long it's been abandoned, but this is cement and all these flowers and weeds are like grown up Mm -hmm. through the cement. And that's how life is. It's like, you cannot stop it. And so I would say, one, assume you have trauma. And if you don't feel like you have trauma, that actually is a really good sign that you didn't think you wouldn't have trauma, (laughs) that you don't know that that's something to name, right? Mm -hmm. Did I tell you all about the 13-year-old that I met with? Did I talk about that last time I was here? I don't think so. You talked about speaking to a group, Mm -hmm. a school. But I don't think one particular kid. One of the things I'm struggling with a lot with middle school and high school kids right now is that they have definitely all been traumatized in some version of something they've seen or an experience that they've had, you know, virtually and Mm. or an ongoing sense. It could they could have stupid things like they could have gotten embarrassed that you get embarrassed in class, which all of us have had that experience. You don't even think about it the next day. Well, now it could be it was shared on Snapchat or it still exists out there or people mm-hmm. screenshot it or blah, blah, blah. So there's this just ongoing sense of that. Anxiety. And that moment of embarrassment doesn't relinquish and people don't. Anyway, so all of that to say they're, they are a traumatized group, like a collectively traumatized group of children. And there's no part of the reason I write what I write and I talk about what I talk about is because I feel like I'm giving a name to it. It's as if everyone in the whole this whole school was sexually abused and no one's ever said that term or heard about right. it. So that's sort of what I'm doing. And um, anyway, I met with this 13-year-old girl. So basically a lot of schools have this program where if a child writes a paper or art project or something that shows these certain things, it flags them. Mm. She'd been flagged for a few other things, got flagged. Her family needed her to talk to to talk to a mental health professional in order to go back to school. I love that they have Oh, that. I know who you're talking. You, yeah, you did yeah, talk yeah. to me about I this. talked to you, but yes. we haven't talked no, about it on the podcast. No. Okay. So I meet with her and she's like, you know, all my other friends have had to do this too. Mm. And I said, yeah, I know. And I said, here's what I want you to know. That even, let me say, seven years ago, anyone who was exhibiting the symptoms that you are exhibiting, everyone, we, we would have a very high chance that you were being abused or that something had happened to you. And I asked her, did something happen to you? Has something happened to you? No. What's wrong? Everything the world is too much. I can't, it's a sad place to live. Like just these very vague, broad things. I was like, "Mm -hmm, okay. So I said that these symptoms are like the reason you're getting flagged is because people are worried about you because something bad must have happened to you for 
these things don't happen to people who bad things haven't happened to them. And we did not see this before phones. We did not see it where there was no incident. Mm -hmm. And what I realized at that point, which is just the big thing I'm telling people now, is the moment you give your kids a smartphone, you've put them in charge of their life. They are in charge of their whole life. They're really, you're making them an adult. They have to navigate so many things from plans with their friends to information that they, is this appropriate for me or how do I respond to it? And I think that that's as simple as it is. I think a 13-year-old doesn't have the resources to manage an adult life, and especially the emotional level. And so like that, they're, they're not okay. And nothing bad even has to happen. So anyway, all this to say is I think I know that they've all been traumatized. They don't know that they've been traumatized because all of them have been. So there's nothing. Setting one apart from the other. There's nothing unique about it. So what I would say is go back to if you, I don't, I'm making this up, but hey, it's something to work with. The fact that she couldn't tell me something that was wrong was really just made me go, okay, this is different. Because if I talk to a 13-year-old kid who doesn't have trauma, they can tell you what's wrong. If they're sad, it's because my mom made me blah, blah, blah. My friend hurt my feelings or whatever. I'm nervous about... They have a comparison they're sa- of feeling good and feeling yes, not good. And, and they're these telling kids you the situation. And they so can much. say, my fe- I'm hurt because of this. I'm angry because of this. And I realized like when you can't label, when there's no thing that you can name, mm-hmm. then something else is going on. And you need to go back to the place of basically my life has become unmanageable. And I do this whole thing of you have so many challenges that you have to face every day. And you have so many resources you have to face those challenges. And if that is out of balance and you can't name it, mm-hmm. whether you've actually had a traumatic event or you're just being traumatized by daily life, that's sort of, I try to get back to like the math of being human. You have too many challenges and not enough resources. And the easiest way to decrease your challenges is to d- decrease your time on screens. Right. And the easiest way to increase your resources is to do almost anything that's not on a screen. What if a three-year-old can't tell you what's what's wrong? Your three-year-old is not traumatized. <laughs> I, don't I don't know, guys. I don't know. I don't know. Because he's not traumatized. <laughs> well, and what's crazy is that we're what's normal now is for whenever we do feel like we need resources, we look to technology to give us <laughs> those resources. That's our first thing. It's like, oh, I'll Google this. I'll look up this. Well, okay, I found out some really interesting information last night that's kind of mind-blowing. So my son works for a media company, and one of the people that one of his coworkers told him, do you guys know what TikTok is? Uh, Do you know what it is? (laughs) Do you know what TikTok is in China? No. In China. Uh, Do you know what it's uh, like in China? uh, I've heard this, but I, I think I've heard. Go ahead. I don't know. It is limited, and it only feeds kids educational and mindful information how do we how do we get that right wow is that funny yes and and horrific (laughs) yeah i've got that sick feeling again (laughs) (laughs) wait like horrific isn't that's a 
because the way that good thing or a bad thing a good thing because the way that it feeds like i don't i don't even and i'm not like an anti i mean but i mean i'm becoming one immediately in this podcast i'm freaking and just so much (laughs) i don't even call it anxiety i'm just like dang uh about media but the um you know how you know tiktok just feeds like the way that it makes me feel as an already like anxious add person i'm like this is it sends me over to like a different stratosphere right so i don't even look at it for right. that i mean even though i like it feels good well, to my brain it's horrific because one that they actually know how to create it in a way that could be beneficial to humanity right and, they're just and we're not getting not that because you know china has always cared so much about us <laughs> well i wasn't sure if you guys were saying that how they're doing it in china is horrific and no, i was like wait okay. no i thought isn't that a but good the sense? other thing <laughs> that's horrific is then watching that that's possible in china right. like then why isn't what about american right. social media could we design it in such a way that could but we're free beneficial <laughs> we can do whatever we want and we're paying the price for it <laughs> hey mom cult listener I just got back from Mississippi, so this going to be real country. Real quick, what would you think about knocking something off your to-do list while you take a three-minute break? You can do that at Kimmel Express Car Wash. Close your eyes, black out the world while your car gets super clean. And you didn't hear it from me, but they offer this Camel Clean Car Guarantee, where if you're not entirely satisfied with your wash, you can wash again for free. So technically, you could get a six-minute break. And today you can get that completely free because you listen to Mom Cult. For a limited time, Mom Cult listeners try their best wash free. Their best wash, a $25 value, free. All you do is text code MOMCULT to 30400 and try them out. Visit CamelExpress.com to find your camel today. Camel Express Car Wash, delivering the greatest car wash experience every single time. a couple notes but I will say I really loved I mean I just loved listening back to it I just was cooking and stuff and so I didn't have time to make more notes Mm -hmm. Um, kids revealing our flaws like little hidden eggs in a video game an easter egg hunt of issues gems made of pain buried all through the mountain we're already climbing (laughs) (laughs) that is not what I was expecting (laughs) and then I wasn't expecting poetry (laughs) I wrote that at a stop sign and I went, this is poetry, this is isn't genius. it? genius. And then I thought, maybe if you have time later, think about a haiku. Um, <laughs> yes. First yes. kids break you entirely, so you're made of leather for the next. Mm. 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 That's gross. That made me, I don't like that. Um, what else? Well, we didn't really talk about what you, what you just read. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> well, I think she's ready to explanatory. Oh, we'll move on. Right, right. <laughs> oh, it's <didn't> really land. <laughs> And I read it. I thought, oh, I don't know. This is a little much for the morning. It's um, true, but I still liked it. What was I thinking when I wrote that? It was about, oh, oh, how kids reveal your weaknesses and right yeah. triggers. Well, every relationship reveals totally your weaknesses, yeah. right? I everything. I, kids are just unapologetic yeah. about it because they don't know that's what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and their experiences and seeing, yeah, it's all. But I think I I would say, Sarah, you're not right about this. Ooh. You're not right about this. I have I've never seen anything reveal more strengths about a person than becoming a mom. Hmm. Especially you. Thanks. 
Like you, that's what it's here for. That's what he's here for. He's here to show you how strong you are and, and even reflecting yourself back to you. Yeah. Like that's, no, he does not expose your weaknesses at all. You feel vulnerable. Not going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, for the most part, think about it. Like parenting makes people better people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really, I write that and then I don't say what's happening is it uncovers those things. And then I, I, I just dig into it and, and grow from it. And I'm like reparenting myself. And that has been incredibly helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's what you're saying is it exposes things that would not have an opportunity to get healed without this person in your life. Right. And then like, I, but then I have the urgency of needing to, yeah, you know, not be anxious when I'm dropping him off or, you know, teaching him this habit that's not great and blah, blah, blah. That kind of thing. I, so my, like Brandon's back now, but I was living in my house without my kids for a couple of years. No, no kids home. <laughs> I cried more <laughs> that two years than my entire <laughs> life. I, I mean, I've thrown temper tantrums. I've, I, I've my very worst behavior that I probably didn't even have as a child. I've had these last two years, and I realized it's because the entire I, when you're parenting, you don't ever you, get you to fall you don't apart. Get to do it, and yeah. I've just been like, <laughs> yeah, I feel that. So it does. It makes you, you know, in therapy, there's that parent-child adult triangle where you have these, you access these different parts of yourself. And when you have to access that parent part of yourself, it's exactly what you can't access it for your kid and not yourself and not your, the whole world. Right. <laughs> you kind of become, you can feel yourself graduating to a parent. So I don't know, but they're all important. It's important to be the to child too. And I still, I don't think I've figured out the adult yet. <laughs> the different parts, you mean? <laughs> keep, us, keep us part. posted. <laughs> I've been trying to think of a way to work this in. Because I want the extra credit um, mm -hmm. from Jenny for like the therapy. <laughs> <laughs> not really. I've just been like, should I say? It? Oh, is it now? Should I say it? She's too long. I said, sure. It's about Jesse, and um, and I don't really know if I can deliver it how I want, but I'll try. I have been doing and speaking of the parent-child adult triangle. I've been doing some more inner child work, and basically how I describe it. I mean, it's just. I don't know. I, I get nervous. I'll just say when I was driving home from uh, Mississippi recently, uh, all these different memories were coming up. And so I was, and this comes from having done it a lot with my own therapist. I think of whatever memory and then tell myself at that age or that moment what I needed to hear as myself today. Sometimes I will say it like as my mom or just like say what my, what I would have needed to hear from my mom. Maybe it's as myself and g going through just any age. I mean, second grade, sixth grade, fifth grade, whatever. And like some specific memory when this ex tiny thing happened or some big thing happened or whatever. And with the exception of EMDR and just consistency, I don't know that anything else specifically therapeutically has been more helpful in like breaking little like, it's like chipping away at it. Yeah, like reactions to things. Um, and so I mention it just to say I'm certain that I've talked about inner child work on this podcast before. But if 
I don't know, you're looking for like an answer to something that is a world to dig into do for you, anyone. Do you feel like you always know what you need to hear? Mm-hmm. It, I do, like intuitively. Yeah. That's is there is there any one you can tell us that's yeah. like like the sure. thing that you you don't have to tell us the story, but like what's the thing that you say to yourself? Um, I can say my parents traveled a lot to like traveled a lot, and I was I stayed with my aunt a lot, and actually I stayed with my aunt on this trip to Mississippi. So one of the memories was going into her bedroom while they were away. I'd stay at her house. I stayed with them a lot. My aunt Nan, shout out Aunt Nan, and I think. They were in a different time zone, my parents, and they had just called. And she was, like, scratching my back. And that's just a memory that made me think of what I needed to hear because I remember feeling really sad and kind of confused. And I was, like, 12, maybe, maybe 11, you know, pretty pretty young. But I just felt the pain of that moment. And what I needed was to have, like, a conversation before they were leaving about you know, and maybe they did some version of this, but whatever. I don't know that they did. Okay. Sorry. Uh, um, The question was, what did I say? And what I said was, um, I love you. This is, it was my mom really, you know, saying it. I love you. I'll always come back. Basically what I say to Parker when I drop him off at school, explaining that you're the most important thing in the world. And this is the reason why I'm going on this trip. And how do you feel about it? Is that okay with you? This is what it will be like. I want to talk to you every day at this time. And if I can't talk to you at that time, I will let you know. And I mean, just Mm -hmm. detailed, it's abundantly detailed, you know, comforting consistency in a situation that's not really consistent. Mm -hmm. That. What do you, what does it do to you when you did that? Well, in my current state of like not sleeping enough, I can't feel as perfectly healed. But it, it, what it does to me in the moment it just feels right. There's like an intuitive feeling of like what I need to hear and um, letting that in. So that's an example of like if something was on a different plane and I could change it. So that's what I heard from my mom. But sometimes it'll be something like, for example, me in high school making um, crazy choices a lot and then perceiving myself later as like a bad girl, let's say. Then I say to that version of myself, you at your core are a good girl and you did what you you did what you had to do to survive and um you're a good girl <laughs> and um what that does for me is um probably cut that hell no <laughs> any tears staying and Always. um uh, no, it's so vulnerable. Ugh. But what that did for me is. It's the truth, Sarah. Yeah. It it's takes the truth. Yeah. It takes the reaction. It takes like insecurities out. I feel less anxious. I've noticed several things like I have like hyper guilt, empathy about things that I don't have any control over out in the world. And that seems like that's a little bit less. And I think that particular thing might be related to that. You know, a lot of things. So if you do that with every version of your young self who needs that. Well, mm-hmm. and also you realize that so much suffering and pain come from the lies. There's some other lie, right? Because mm-hmm. even what you had your mom say to you in your memory was the truth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It just didn't get verbalized. It wasn't what you were. It wasn't how you were taking in the world, mm-hmm. but it was the truth. Right. Yeah. 
I don't. That's so amazing. You get so much extra credit. Oh, yay. That's what she's looking for. The reality is we live in a time where we all know, oh, we do. You you should do inner child work. (laughs) You should blah, blah, blah. Right? We have all this information of the things that we should do or could do. And I think any time that someone can actually show that going into practice Mm -hmm. is so helpful because we are really missing that. Right. Um. I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast, but it's my ultimate favorite mother-daughter story. Mm. So my um, my mom was just, she was just a doer. She just did stuff all day, all the time. I don't ever remember her even really talking, like talking at all, much less talking to me. And I, we'd had company visit from out of town. I was 11 at the time, and it was a mom and daughter, and they were like, talking and joking and they had like little plans they did. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want that. I want that. I want that more than anything. So I'm after being tormented by it all day and whatever, I um, go to my room that night, everybody's gone to bed and I write, I still do this kind of shit. (laughs) I do it all the time. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) I write my mom this letter saying, dear mom, this is what I want. I don't know why we don't have it, but I want a kind of relationship with you that we have fun and we go do things together, blah, 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 blah. And, and of course, I'm just sobbing. Uh-huh. I've got to make sure she's asleep. I'm taking a super big chance, right, that she could be like, no. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I slip it under her door after everybody's asleep. And, I mean, I wake up the next morning waiting for, like, what – what is going to happen now Mm -hmm. because of the power of my letters. (laughs) And she never talks about it with me ever, (laughs) never acknowledges it. And so I was 11. From the time I was 11 until the time I was 42, I just assume, yeah, my mom, that's a terrible story. (laughs) She never <laughs> responded. No, no acknowledgement. Like, okay, like I worked through this in therapy, right? right? Like, yeah, okay, so I did it. That's right. Just ask for what you need. <laughs> if only you had the right words, mm-hmm. <laughs> it would all work out. So mom and dad are cleaning out their house. Mom's like, I've got a bunch of stuff that I found that's like kind of keepsake things I think you're going to love to see. <laughs> she brings over. <laughs> and that letter in the pile so I open I'm like oh my this really happened so I'm reading the letter (laughs) what does it actually say everything I thought it said but the part that I forgot is this such an Ava this is a moment that I'm like Ava is me apparently (laughs) right at the end I got so freaked out that on the outside of the envelope I wrote do not ever talk to me about this letter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a feeling that's where that was going. That's so great. <laughs> if you ever mention this right. letter, I will die. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Oh, poor mom. Right? She thought she was doing exactly what she needed. Which she did exactly what I asked for. (laughs) This is why you should know as parents, don't always do what your kids ask for. Goodness gracious. (sighs) She's like, well, I always respected. You knew what you needed. 
I actually just watched a Dr. Becky. She was like my, my her one of her kids was having like a full blown meltdown and just wanted her to leave. And instead, she just sat on the floor and just sat there. She was just talking about so often what our kids are saying they want is opposite of what they're actually wanting. Like when they're just like, just leave me alone. You can understand how what they really want is to be held and be seen and be talked to. And like that's something that you were doing was like, don't ever talk about right, this letter. But right, what you right. really wanted was right. to really have that conversation right. with her. And as parents knowing – well, and that's, when to just yes. listen to what your kids are saying, and especially when they get older, which is what I have a hard time with. I don't know how to gauge whether I need to continue being the right the parent right. and the parent yeah. in the situation, yeah. doing what I think I need to do, or I'm still also trying to learn from her and going. If she really wants yeah. to be alone right now, right. I want right. to give her that. Right. I just don't know yeah. the answer all the time. I mean, I think what kids need probably always, but especially now with what I just described earlier, is they are desperate for someone to be in charge of them, mm-hmm. even if they don't like what it is. And I mean, we've we've seen a lot of the opposite end of that. You know, a lot of us might be recovering from the other end of that spectrum, but that's not what these kids are dealing with. They get so much space, so much respect, so much responsibility for themselves that I think that's really much. what they're craving. But I had this moment... Brandon's like, he was maybe in seventh grade and we had gone on a quick trip to the lake house and we were going to go out to dinner that night, but he hadn't packed right. So he had on his school clothes and for whatever reason, it was going to be the most humiliating thing in the whole world to go to this country Mexican restaurant in his school clothes, right? I mean, he is like, oh, I'm not doing it. This is humiliating. So he, I was like, okay, change your clothes. Well, He's like, I don't have anything. I didn't bring any, blah, blah, blah. But because we were at the lake house, there's always, like, clothes from last season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So> <laughs> he comes out cut off in these jeans. And he's the tiniest person in the world anyway. And, I mean, I'm like, can you breathe? Like, I mean, I hurt. My body hurt looking at him in these. And so and I never told my kids what to wear. Like, that, I would. I, if there was any not battle, your, not that, your battle. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. If there was a battle that didn't have to be fought, I didn't fight it. And I just looked at him and I said, "You can't wear that." Meaning, you can't wear it physically. Like, right? Can't like, wear it. <laughs> and he looked up at me and he said, "You're not going to let me." And like, just with these big eyes, like, "I'm not allowed to." Right. This and, isn't my choice. Yeah. And I just, me. I had so it was like this click moment where I looked back at him and I was like. He needs me to tell him he's not allowed to wear these jeans. Right. Then oh, I had to wear the school clothes because mom made it's mom's me. fault. And yeah. I mean, like that, he was like, okay, fine, and went in and changed. And I, that was my, like, oh. And thankfully, he was in seventh grade. So it clicked something in my brain that from that point on, I was like, oh, they need me to do things that were like, it's like a secret code you're having to watch mm-hmm. for, but such relief when somebody else is in charge and it's not them. I mean, my goodness, do we really, do y'all like being in charge? No. This is not I mean, fun. Mm, <laughs> I would say maybe it depends, but no, not I mean, really. in terms of what it really means to be in charge yeah. of your life, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. I don't know. I think that I do, but actually I'll have to evaluate that. I'm not sure. I think that I like being we'll in control. Circle back. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well do some more digging. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm done. 
Except we need to get back to Jesse. Mm-hmm. Tell me what it was like for you guys. Um, it was such a vulnerable, raw, you know, interview. And, you know, y'all even talked about what the right and the wrong things to say when yeah. somebody has, you know, lost their husband. How, what did you guys learn from it? I mean, it, it went, I feel like how I thought it would go. I mean, I just feel like I know Jesse well enough to know that she would just be her and effortlessly walk through everything that happened. I didn't expect her to get emotional. I didn't expect to get emotional. You know, I I already knew everything Mm -hmm. that she was Mm going to say. So I'm not sure if people listening felt emotional listening to it. Um, yeah, I mean, I hit pretty hard, I'd say. But it's hard to, when someone seems like they're handling their grief in, like, obviously when she's on her own or it's not like she doesn't have moments of feeling sure. like she's falling apart, but at the core of Jesse is, I feel like the Jesse that we all got to listen to, which is at the end of the day, she's always going to be looking for the silver lining and the hope. And it's hard to even feel the real weight of her story because she's always trying to not just rise above it, but just, just let it live, let it take its course and just that she knows she's going to be okay. What When you went through the second episode, what were you like, yes, this is why I wanted a second episode? You know, you didn't know what you wanted. Yeah. But when, after listening to it, what did you get that felt unfinished in the first one? I wasn't able to listen back. My memory is really bad. But I know that what I felt was that this is not helpful, but that it felt complete. Mm-hmm. That like her kind of full arc was shown and more of the positive side of it and more of the healing side and more of where she is now and the humor and, you know, so nothing super, I mean, I think it was all very poignant, but. It's not specific. Well. (laughs) We feel done. Uh, Well, I have my. Oh, yeah. Whatever we call this. Jenny's favorite My favorite things. So anyone who knows me knows that I am obsessed with this eating plan called The Plan. <laughs> and it's a yellow Sounds book. Sounds very serious. Right? And I started it probably two years ago. Um, so I was 45 at the time, and I'd done everything. I'd done like a supplement cleanse. I'd done a juice thing. I'd done Whole30. And really was like, okay, I guess this is just my body and this is just age and this is just the way it's going to be. And I just love a good food plan because it's kind of like a capsule wardrobe. I love, thank you for limiting my options so Mm -hmm. I can eat. (laughs) It's just, I'm so, all of us are so exhausted from how many choices we have to make. And so it's like, yes, thank you. I want to eat that. I love this food. It is my, if I, like when I go to a restaurant, I'm so mad that I paid for food that was less good and less good for me than what I make from this. It's a chef that does all the recipes and it's her plan. I think she has, still has a restaurant in New York. But anyway, it's an anti-inflammatory diet Mm. and you kind of test out these different foods that you have reactions to by taking your temperature and weighing yourself. And it's kind of cool because, you know, there's so much like, don't weigh yourself. You're, the scale doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But what she's doing, it's not about how much you weigh. It's that if you aren't losing weight, if you aren't losing half a pound or a pound a day on this, then you um, 
had a reaction to some food that you ate because your body doesn't gain a pound in a day. Does that make sense? So it's not, you're, you haven't gained weight. You're seeing it to be like, I've had an, I've had an inflammatory response to something I've had. Like I had a skin condition that I'd had since I was 18 years old. I had to take medication and use this special soap every two years. It was not going, it couldn't go away. And everyone told me it can't go away. You just have to manage it. It's completely gone away since I did the plan. So here is like the super simple tip that you can do that I think makes a huge difference. And it's when you wake up, you have a glass of water with the juice of one lemon and B12 um, drops. I have two little things of B12. And then you drink dandelion tea. And you do all of that before you eat breakfast. Mm -hmm. And and I also take a probiotic. And this other supplement called MSM, which is actually made for joints, but they found that it's really one of its side effects is it gets rid of allergies. Mm -hmm. And I have was on allergy medicine for years and years and years, and I don't take any allergy medicine anymore. So anyway, just that little thing is so life-changing, mm -hmm. even if you don't do any of the food stuff. So yeah. So anyway, that is by far one of my favorite things. Dang. Love that. All right. Guess I'll start that tomorrow. MMSM. <laughs> yep. I'll do I'll, – here's my little preview for uh, like the next three podcasts. Ooh. My favorite thing is going to be my favorite breakfast from the plan, my favorite lunch from the plan, oh, my favorite dinner right. from the plan. Ooh. Long term. Okay. Wow. <laughs> They'll keep the viewers. Right. The listeners. <laughs> They're like, wait. Keep the wait. listeners. <laughs> Six more episodes. We got to know what we to do for lunch. <laughs> Because I ain't reading that book. I'm not reading that book. I'm not reading her other book. I'm not reading this book. <laughs> Just come here. We did it. We did it. We did it. Um, Take care of okay. yourself. Yeah, Make I was sure, going to say. Yeah. So your call to action today is if you are feeling overwhelmed and if you cannot name why you are feeling overwhelmed, then... Just start with like turning off all your screens for an hour and make a list of anything that you need, like what resources you need and uh, give yourself what you need. What do you say to people who have a hard time asking for help or doling out things that they need? I think that we have more of what we need than we know. And when you realize how many resources you have or you start, like if you start to ask somebody else for what you need, like check and see, do you really need that? Or is there something you already have that could serve that same place? I think there's a, I think we're sort of more desperate to connect with ourselves than we actually, like if, if we're not connected to ourselves and we really haven't given ourselves what we need and what we have the capacity to need, I think it makes asking someone else for help really Order. difficult. Mm -hmm. But I think once you connect to that and you realize, oh, I can't get this resource for myself, there's something in it that all of a sudden, but you also see some things you do have and maybe some things you have to offer other people. And it makes it easier to enter into that space of giving and receiving with other people. Right. Like I may, you know, be really sad today, but I've got extra chicken salad do you want to come over for lunch? Because <laughs> I need someone to listen, listen to man, me. Listen, <laughs> man, I love chicken salad. Right? Definitely yes. make my day better. <laughs> you have something, right? You have something. You might have a couch for somebody, you know, Thanksgiving week who yeah. doesn't have a place mm. to visit. Like, <laughs> you just don't. Well, you have something. And it, yeah, it's kind of like what I 
I think I only talked about it when we were on Sarah and Kathy's podcast of how when I feel overwhelmed like that, I'll make a list of like, what do I actually need from myself? What do I actually need from this other person? And what do I need to let go of? Yeah. And then it at least breaks it down into where you, instead of it all feeling just like this big avalanche of. Okay. Say it again. It's from that, the book that. You gave me of course. when Ava was little <laughs> called I'd Trade My Husband for a Housekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> that one I did read. <laughs> I am so funny. <laughs> hey Joy, I think I think you might need this. <laughs> and although the title sounds degrading against the husband, it <laughs> It was quite the contrary. It was the opposite. It was helping you try to understand what they might be feeling and and going through. And, you know, because as a mom, you just kind of get consumed by your own day to day. But, um, yeah, it just talked about breaking things down into three categories when you you need help or when you are asking for something from someone – Instead of piling all of your stuff onto them, right, right, you simplify it and go, "What do I actually need from this person that I can't get myself?" And then it just makes it more doable. So then, your partner, whoever you're talking to, they can also trust that if they're saying they need these things, they've thought this through. It's not just yeah. an emotional yeah. dump on me. This is something real that I need to work on but good stuff anyway well thanks (laughs) thanks guys thanks Jesse hey thanks for coming over to my house it was fun what a lovely spot yes thank you Jesse for my own later insecure brain Jesse's podcast meant a lot to me I didn't say enough about it but it was really impactful Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah absolutely we'll see which guest gets to follow (laughs) Jesse's yeah right no (laughs) yeah Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Happy holidays.